Hello, welcome back to the world at your fingertips. I am super excited for this episode because it's all about true crime. And it is, yeah. This is going to be a good one, I think. I, for you, those of you who have not listened yet, uh, where have you been? First, of <laughs> um, we How are a, <laughs> <laughs> every week we will talk about a topic that interests, affects, or concerns us, and then we will also have a guest for that particular topic, and the topic will also affect interest or concern them as well yeah we basically are coming together every week to talk about something that is you know something that's current in the world right now or something you know something that's important and that needs to be talked about or well needs to be talked about in our opinion and we are doing so over a drink Yes. And as anyone does, when they get to know someone, they, you know, might be in a cafe or a restaurant or a bar and they will be having a drink, talking about life, talking about different topics, talking about different aspects of society. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that level when, you know, you're having a drink and it starts to get a bit interesting. You sort of know the person and suddenly you're talking about, you know, the origins of the universe over a drink, whether that be a coffee, a pint, or in my case I have right now is a bowl of soup. I'm sorry. <laughs> you still kind of drink soup. So I'm, yeah. I'm rolling with a bowl of soup as my drink. What's your drink, Molly? My drink is an elderflower cordial. <laughs> oh, this is... Yeah. Who are we? We've got this soup in, and an elderflower cordial. Can I have some, some ASMR here of the ice? Oh, yeah. I'm not even going to slurp the soup because no one yeah, wants no, to hear don't, that. Yeah, no, please. Yeah, I <laughs> But yeah, so this week we are talking about true crime in the media and sort of the social impact of that. I am such a true crime person. Like, I think I've seen every true crime documentary series on Netflix. I love it. I loved it since I was watching CSI with my sister when I was five years old. Like, I've always loved true crime and now researching this has kind of made me think about my psychology as a result and I'm worried about myself <laughs> I don't think you should be worried about yourself I think it's really interesting because I don't think I'm quite as interested as you are in it but I do enjoy watching crime documentaries and listening to podcasts about true crime and you know I actually took a module this semester it's called crime tv and I was like, wow, oh my God, okay, this is going to be all about like crime documentaries. We're going to look at Ted Bundy. We're going to look at um, all of these like really interesting docu series, um, like West Memphis, other ones like that. And, and then we started it and it, we like were doing like buddy cop shows. And, you know, oh, sorry, wow. Ryan, you're great, but I was just, it's just not what I signed up for. So now I can tell you all that you need to know about Starsky and Hutch and Dragnet, but Beverly not Hills so Cops. much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, I got you. Like, you know, <laughs> literally. That's true but, crime. <laughs> honestly. Um, but, you know, actually, there are interesting things, though, about crime drama, which, you know, is probably enough for another episode, to be honest. But things like the CSI effect, people watch CSI and like, yeah, that's real if I get called up for jury service that's the kind of stuff I'm going to be seeing like yeah no, definitely like the construction <laughs> of the concept of crime in the in the audience's mind is like totally different than the realities of what completely committing a crime and 
is actually is and I think that's so interesting when it's the difference between crime drama and docuseries is and even like specific evidence-based programs that you can get now that take you through myth and misbusting about how to commit a murder like I think that's so interesting that that's allowed on television but they think that video games are the cause of violence you know rather than directly showing people how to commit a murder it's so it's so interesting to me so I'm getting so excited I can feel feel myself (laughs) like becoming so eager I'm leaning more towards my laptop but I'm just excited it's definitely a, a, do I use the word trend? Something that I th- feel like is, is on TV much more these days. And I think that's a consequence of things like Netflix, uh, which we will come to later, talking about Netflix and all of the different shows that are on there. Because most of the like examples we'll be using today will be probably from things we've watched on Netflix. But the psychology behind it is also quite interesting. So I did some reading. I found a social psychologist and professor at Illinois Wesleyan University called Amanda Vickery. And she uh, she clearly is well respected because I came across her name quite a few times. And she says that uh, she's a self-professed true crime addict and has noticed that statistically true crime devotees are most likely to be women. And she says that research shows that women fear crime more than men since they're more likely to be a victim of one. This is her quote. My thinking is that this fear is leading women, even subconsciously, to be interested in true crime because they want to learn how to prevent it. That is so interesting. That's probably true as well. Well, probably true. I'm saying that. This is her life's research. It's She obviously could support this with statistics, but that goes into the whole different socialization of males versus females upon like birth and how we raise them and how the traditional gender roles of men as protectors, women as not as victims, but as needing to be protected. And that's how it fits together. It's kind of the nature nurture side of psychology of like that impacting how well people's psychological states and then that somehow leading into things like this. Like people always think, right, let's go back to their childhood with like these big criminals um, or murderers they're like right let's go to their childhood let's analyse the childhood let's see what's going on and then that will explain why all of this has happened and that's also interesting to me I wish like I kind of wish I'd done psychology at some point in my life just I've to be able to understand so this. many times as well like wouldn't it be interesting <sighs> just to be able to read people yeah we're probably also glorifying the psychology degree that we'd suddenly become major crime solvers <laughs> we could be like yeah. a duo like Starching and Hooch but like cooler but like yes psychology crime solvers rather than buddy cop shows yeah crime solvers (laughs) but yeah it's interesting that you know typically women are um statistically more likely to be the victim of a crime but it's interesting that women seem to have empowered themselves by taking on true crime as a genre whether that's in podcasts or docuseries or all these different forms of analyzing and creating entertainment out of murder because they were statistically more likely to be the victim of it it's twisted but i find it so satisfying that suddenly it's like you know what let's discuss it in great detail and almost like tease potential murderers and be like we're chatting about it isn't it hilarious but my favorite murder (laughs) the people who run that they talk about that all the time like we like discussing murder we don't actually want to be murdered just to clarify but and they always use that as like a qualifier and i'm like i respect that you keep on making your podcast despite the fact that you're probably encouraging people to murder you so my favorite murder is obviously a popular one um for those of you 
don't know, uh, it's a podcast and uh, it's by these two women called Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstock. Georgia Hardstock. And they are very funny. And every week on their podcast, they have two stories, which is like their favorite murder of of that week. And they get loads of suggestions. And uh, I find it it's informative in terms of it's interesting to hear about it but obviously their style is quite funny and quite like satirical in a way and so it's quite entertaining to listen to and I feel like that's something that we can unpack a bit like the problems that come with that is something we can um, unpack a bit with our guests this week but there is another podcast here called Wine and Crime I don't listen to it but I feel like I should from that title Wine yeah, I'm and Crime I'm impressed by that also like it took a second to think of that and I'm very proud of that yeah well, that's guys. Yeah, good work, good work. So kind of going back to why true crime is so popular and perhaps why this could be a problem. So things like My Favourite Murder are so popular and the way that that show is constructed is funny and people like it and they like listening to it, as well as all of the Netflix series, Conversations with a Killer with Ted Bundy. There's a Madeleine McCann one that came out in the last year, Don't Fuck with Cats, uh, The Staircase. There are just so many. There's so much on Netflix. So if anyone is looking for something to watch in terms of true crime, Netflix is the place to go um not endorsing but also go there um but like netflix you can sponsor us if you want to yeah yeah you know if you want if you want but there's there is a risk of glamorizing these killers and also erasing their victims with coverage or with i just think it's difficult sometimes because people are so fascinated by the killer and by what style they used or what you know all of these kind of quite graphic thrill-seeking details that the the victims get forgotten about you know every victim has a family and people who are you know have been really really affected by this particular person and you don't really they don't I mean in some cases they do but the majority of the time it gets forgotten Mm. and so that that's definitely impactful I think on the viewer I think also that is just the question of you know creating profit out of pain that's been like a age-old moral question since the dawn of television and film but then at the same time I know true crime is a newer form of this but always it's been sex drugs and murder have been the thing that make good television and make good film it's something that within the human psyche people love to see and they love to experience maybe it's their way of not doing themselves and not it's going taboo. out and murdering people taboo yeah. and there's sort of a danger associated but a safety when it's through a television screen but of course like you say when it's true crime and it's real people can you disassociate that from the act of murder in the same way you can when it's fictional characters being killed or it's fictional murderers that you're meeting you know is it ethical is it a victimless crime essentially to make entertainment out of these murders is such an important thing that we need to talk about and especially when streaming services like Netflix are not only making it nationwide visibility on these murders, but global visibility on these murders and these victims. Obviously, it's always, most docuseries are always one-sided or they lean towards a certain direction because that's where the intrigue and the interest happens. And it's not always the most ethical or unbiased way of representing it. Say with making a murderer, like there was stuff left out of the first series to make you feel a certain way and to 
and make it entertaining. And that is when you go past perhaps true crime into entertainment. Every type of media is mediated, but when it comes to true crime, there is a question of ethics behind it being a victimless crime and, you know, where the audience stands in relation to the producers, to the actors, to the chain of production. Along the line of production, the audience is a consumer and so they're complicit in that action of making profit from probably like the worst moment of someone's life. It's not a victimless crime is what I'm trying to say, is producing these... I mean, murders isn't a victimless crime, but producing these true crime documentaries aren't necessarily a victimless crime either. Yeah. Makes sense? Definitely, definitely. And I actually think that's a brilliant way to um, bring in our guest for this week. Hello, Alice. Hello. Hello, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Of course, of course. So uh, before we get talking about true crime, mm-hmm. let's talk about let's talk about you. So tell us, tell us a bit about yourself and who you are and what you do. <laughs> and also, most importantly, what drink you're drinking. Okay, well, I'll start off with what drink I'm drinking as I'm staring at it longingly. I'm drinking a large old glass of wine. Anyone? Oh. Yeah. If you know me, you know that I don't do spirits. <laughs> I don't do beer. Wine and Prosecco um, only. Yeah, wine and Prosecco only for me. So it's a large white Sauvignon Blanc because... That's the only thing that I drink. Beautiful. I feel like that's very on brand for talking about true crime. Like all other podcasts, they're always like, yeah, let's get a bottle and let's chat about it. It's going to go down really quickly though and I haven't bought the rest of the bottle because I finished it. So it's going to be an issue. Um, (laughs) What do I do? I Currently, I do nothing. COVID-19 has put a bit of a spanner in the works. So I am filling my days by playing Sims 4. Excellent. Thank you. Very worthwhile. Thank you, thank you. So Sims 4 is my go-to. Watching a bit of Netflix. I seem to also think that I'm a social media influencer. Don't we all? At these troubled times, that's what we go to. (laughs) In these troubled times, we take to the gram and we upload about five stories a day. um, Pictures of us with fake fringes. (laughs) With fake fringes. I did a fake fringe last night and everyone obviously had to see it. So I posted it to the gram. Um, I feel a bit attacked by the sarcasm in your voice. Oh! <laughs> You're attacking my life at the moment on those Instagram stories. What, fake friends? <laughs> no, we're just doing so many a day. I was going to like, say, Alice fully did it. She fully created her own fringe and I told her to take it off. But, you know. Oh, I thought it looked right. That's why I put it on my story. Right. Um, yeah, I know those stay-at-home stickers are really, really popping off. That's but true. I'm trying not to do too many of them because it's condescending. But yeah, so when I'm... Okay, so so when I'm not, you know, doing nothing with my life, I work in TV production. So I'm a floor runner in the TV industry. So that means that I'm part of the assistant directors department. Um, can I get a hell yeah? Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Everyone's like, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, no, I was totally excited, but I was trying to keep it down. So you thought I was cool with the first time meeting you. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Cool. <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Rather than just being a fangirl and embarrassing myself. So I I'd be like, woo, cool. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's what I do. 
if you want to know more than I can tell you. But yeah, basically, I'm just the onset runner. So I work most, mainly in TV comedy um, at the moment. But when this is all over, I'm joining um, a diary service called Call Time, which is like one of the biggest in the UK. So hopefully I'll be able to progress to uh, feature films and high-end TV dramas and stuff. So I'll be able to kind of progress a bit more. But I've only been working since like summer uh, August so so yeah so that's what I do it's fun I miss it so basically Kate when uh, we are trying to get into the industry Alice is your person <laughs> to, to talk to <laughs> Cut a fake fringe and just pretend to be you and turn up on set, right? That's how we do it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I'll just let you in and I'll yeah. um, also give you loads of food. Oh, <laughs> I'll set get you catering. a cup of yes, coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh God, honestly, that's something that I miss. <laughs> yeah, the honestly, the food being cooked for you all day, every day. It's quite bad, really. But, um, but you know, you've got to make do in these times. Shows you how lucky you are. So cool. Yeah, so, so you work on comedies though, but what got you into true crime? I'm wondering. Yeah, really good question. Well, Thanks, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> it's really? not like we have them listed you, or anything. So. You've really thought about this, haven't you? <laughs> so I, I don't know. I got into true crime. I wouldn't say true crime when I was really young because I think when you're really young, true crime maybe isn't the phrase that you would use but I was massively into dark things let's say when I was young so I well okay I used to watch Scooby-Doo that's where I'm going with this I was obsessed with Scooby-Doo like mystery programs if I could get to them then I would watch programs about murder when I was young but I used to like read books about mysteries and about murder this was like early teens but I remember my mum got me a book of like a hundred unsolved mysteries um for my birthday and my mind was just really opened oh sorry it wasn't just mysteries it was diving mysteries oh god (laughs) because I scuba dive um and so she thought I need to scare her while she's in the water (laughs) so let's get her a book of shit that went wrong (laughs) and see what she does next time she's in the water I've tried to trace it back a bit in preparation for this here moment but um yeah I, I don't really know all I can say is that I've kind of just been interested in crime and mystery and things like that since I was really young. And I also remember my mum telling me a story of like someone that she knows was murdered. And so I remember that being really like, oh, and then you kind of ask the question of like, how? Yeah, that's kind of stuck in my mind a bit. But I've also always been a bit fascinated with death and just the fact that it's so kind of taboo in our society yet it's as natural as birth so yeah that's kind of where I don't know that's a bit about <laughs> my Scooby-Doo obsession <laughs> that's the thing to take away from from that <laughs> Scooby-Doo oh I'm massively obsessed I can yeah. watch all of the movies oh I just love them so much which is your favourite film Spooky Island yeah right oh, me, me too, too. Yeah. three so, <laughs> when that ghost is mm. whirling like flying through the air it 
is so scary. You know the one that I'm talking about, like yeah, the one yeah, that yeah. looks yeah. like a Jack in the Box clown, yeah, but it's yeah, white. Yeah. <gasps> Terrifying. Yeah, it's actually not. Oh, I just got shivers, and it's 18 <laughs> degrees outside. <laughs> and oh, it's a children's movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not a bit. That, honestly, though, that my favorite part of that whole film is Scooby dressing up as a granny. At the end. <laughs> that's, <laughs> just, that's what I take away from that film. I saw a tweet and it was like wouldn't you be so unnerved if this was sat next to you on a flight and it was a picture of Scooby-Doo dressed as that granny and it was really unnerving like if you sat down and there was a great dane dressed as a granny next to you you'd be like right I'm in for one hell of a flight here (laughs) I'm not even sure if I'd say anything I'd just sort of sit there and be like you know, what did I take? Like, did I accidentally ingest like shrooms or something on them before this fight? But now yeah. I'm just imagining this great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, true crime. Molly, we digress. We digress. True we digress. crime. Not Scooby-Doo. True crime. <laughs> Earlier, we talked a little bit about the uh, Amanda Vickery, who's a social psychologist, and her claim that true crime devotees are more likely to be women um, and how her thought is that this fear of like being a victim is sort of more resonant with women and they subconsciously are more interested in crime because they want to learn how to prevent it. Yeah. So as three women, do you think there's a lot of truth to that? Do you find yourself listening to My Favourite Murder or watching the Ted Bundy conversations with a killer? Things like, do you find yourself thinking, oh, well, you know, I could defend myself in this way or that way or, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. that's, kind of, that's kind of what she's saying, which I know that's a really sort of surface level way of taking it, but we'll start there and then we can work deeper. I think like how many of us are walking down the street during the day or during the night, obviously way more at the night, but I find myself like on a run out in the open fields and I just kind of look behind me, just glance behind me just to see if there's anyone behind me. Like, do you? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. um. Yeah, definitely. I think there's something in women more than men I think men have it as well you know night and at some point like maybe depending on where where they are or what situation they are in or what time it is or but I think women have it you know more than men that uh, there's this thing of constantly looking behind you constantly looking over your shoulder to see what's like lurking in the shadows and I think that because of the nature of true crime and how it's constantly constantly in the media especially like attacks on women and things like that i think it's just a part of our life and therefore i agree wholeheartedly that part of the reason that i'm so fascinated with it is trying to understand how to prevent it so do you think that by watching these shows that has made you feel that way it's interesting because as you were saying that I was thinking, well, how, yeah, like, how do I respond to these shows and listening to these podcasts and reading these books? And I would say that I'm quite a self-assured person. And I, I would say also that I'm quite instinct-based. Molly, you'll know because you've known me for years that I always base a lot of things on vibes, yeah. So I base a lot of, you know, situational things on if I get like good or bad vibes from them. I wouldn't say I judge people, but I would say I like to see what vibe they give off. And I'll always be open to 
good and bad vibes from people um and I'm usually right <laughs> let it be known but yeah I think I try when I watch something to do with true crime I try and place myself in the shoes of the victim and think would I be able to tell would I be able to preempt that happening to me or like would I be able to get vibes in inverted commas it's not about maybe like preventing it how would I prevent it it's does my brain function well enough to be able to know that that would happen to me that's just how I like work if that makes sense yeah I guess it's sort of understanding the psychology of the victim and whether you know they they thought logically or whether you know people are acting by a sense of logic or a sense of something that can be predictable in combaters or whether Mm. it's just sort of pure chaos and I guess true crime is a way of sort of rationalizing things that seem scary and intimidating but actually understanding them and how this part of their past led to this and it's sort of giving it a method and an understanding that the viewer can sort of understand so it's interesting how you say you go from the perspective of the victim because I I don't know what this says about me as my personality but I always go from the position of the killer so I am very much like you know, if that happened to me in my childhood, would I become a mass murderer? Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting, <laughs> yeah. sort of, we talked about how, you know, how women and like consume true crime probably more than men. But I was thinking, we talked about sort of getting into it very early. Like I started watching CSI with my sister, who's eight years older than me, probably when I was five years old or something. So I'm wondering Whoa. whether because women are traditionally socialized earlier to Mm. things so they come across more mature and they sort of grow up faster yeah whether that's why as young women and young adults we sort of understand darker topics and enjoy consuming darker topics because we've sort of been socialized in a different way to men and therefore we're more interested in the macabre and the the deep things as younger adults do you think that yeah it's true yeah, yeah that's su- yeah such an interesting point and as as well i think the fact that you say like you put yourself in the shoes of the killer i think that comes also back to gender as well because um you know women i'm going back to like my a-level sociology but the typical role of women in society is to be nurturing and caring and comforting and soft and so for women to try and empathize with a killer by like putting ourselves in their shoes whether that killer is male or female i think that also that could be something to think about and talk about because i don't know i think it comes back to gender as well yeah definitely i think of course we're talking about how the audience based on gender might interpret true crime in different ways but of course there's an interesting debate about representation like how it's appropriate to represent murder and true crime and sort of we spoke earlier about you know how you're treating the victims in this whether you're being compassionate in the representation but obviously there's also comes the element of sexualization of serial killers and a lot of true crime things especially like dramatized version like the trial of oj simpson has just come onto netflix like he's very much seen as as like a cool figure and zach efron the bundy film like yeah what do you sort of feel about sort of a sexualization of true crime and how that goes together i completely agree uh, i think that the sexualization of them is i think it's it's problematic like it's inherently problematic but 
I think the most problematic thing is the fact that they aren't just sexualized um, in, you know, TV shows. They they were sexualized in real life. Um, so, like, if you follow the Ted, the like real Ted Bundy trial, and I mean, there were throngs of women outside, like pining after him. Women were sending him letters in prison, and women were talking about him in a in a sexual way him having just been arrested for the murders of countless women there's a wider issue in that when they cast Zac Efron in this film I remember there was huge controversy everyone was just like why are you putting the high school musical heartthrob as one of the most infamous serial killers of recent US history like that's just there are problems with that his name is tainted with the Disney light and and of course that then, audience is young people as well like exactly yeah so there was there was a lot of issue around it but then uh, but then so one of the girls who it was the I, again this is awful I can't remember her name but she was the victim in the car park of the shopping mall who managed oh. to like jump out of his car yeah he got when away he, yeah she got away and uh, she really should have done more research on this but this is just a thought that just, it just came to me but this particular uh, victim she came forward and said actually Zac Efron's casting is perfect that is exactly what he was like he was charismatic he was charming he was good looking Carol Deranch yes her. Carol Deranch is her, her name Carol yeah. Deranch thank you very much yeah. Alice and yeah and she said that it was she kind of shut a lot of it down by being like this is what he was like I don't know how flattering that is for Zac Efron but, but you know what I mean like that, the fact that that actually was how he was recognised by someone who had a very close call with him yeah is, definitely I mean also it's not always going to be like a Disney sort of dynamic between hero and villain you're not always going to be able to tell so clearly who's the bad guy by the way they look by the way they talk by the vibe they give off I think that's also another thing that sort of I find so interesting when everything on the outside of a serial killer looks good and looks like they're an upstanding citizen I mean he worked on like campaign trails for politicians and stuff didn't he Bundy like especially so yeah but of course that makes sense in terms of representation and film the whole point is that you stay true to that because not only is that excellent film I mean you know, giving your villain a redeeming quality is a typical Marvel magic, you know, character um, device. But then when that's real life and they've got real victims saying, no, he was really charismatic and saying good things about him, it just makes it so much more as an audience member, like mind blowing and captivating when you're like, oh, so even his victim saying that he appeared like a good guy. And it's like, that could be anyone and it's more it's more crazy i love it yeah 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 definitely yeah well, and i also think that like going back to your point mall that it's it's a business like the film yeah. industry yeah. is a business and therefore as much as in cases like this they want to make everyone happy and not hurt anybody whatever that casting choice is there are going to be problems with it because of the subject matter so whether it is a high school musical heartthrob or whether it's christian bale who you know has played murderers in the past or whatever 
there's going to be issues. There are sort of discussions going on at the moment about how true crime is glamorizing these killers and erasing these victims and, you know, not recognizing the pain that these people went through, as well as the pain that their families are continuing to go through or did go through if it was quite quite far in the past. And perhaps the issues that there are with some of these these shows that are going out, so whether that be podcasts like My Favourite Murder or anything that was made about Ted Bundy, whether that be um, the series or the, the film, there's a lack of voice for the victims and that's a problem that's like a that is a problem i know that it's about the guy well in ted bundy's case about the man who did it all but you know that is one aspect and i know it may be fascinating to people or interesting to learn about but you know there are people's lives here that literally were lost at the hands of this person and whether there are certain problems about the ways that programs and tv shows approach making this content and how it portrays to audiences i don't know what you think about that alice yeah no i completely agree i think they're like the lost voices of true crime really because uh, everyone's obviously so focused as we are on the killer what i will say about just the ted bundy point is that I mean, I'm I'm kind of over Ted Bundy in that I've watched so much and I've read so much and I've heard so much that I'm kind of over him as a case study because his crimes were so horrific and because he has no redeeming features. And so I'm kind of over him, but I decided to watch one kind of like last thing and that was the Amazon Prime series. The title of that series is Ted Bundy Falling for a Killer. Ooh, I haven't watched that. It was new to me and it was interesting to me. It it was made up of interviews with his ex uh, his oh, yeah. long-term girlfriend called Elizabeth Kendall, who he came into the life of when she had a child from a previous relationship. And he kind of, uh, well, not adopted this child, but acted as the father figure for this girl. And they were, you know, who he was living this double life with when he was um, doing all of his killings. And so that was interesting for me because she, you know, they both actually are, are victims of him. And it also... Uh, speaks to family members of victims, friends of victims, and it gives a lot more information than I've ever actually heard on the victims. So I think that that series is trying to give some sort of like retribution or, you know, whatever you call it, to the fact that, yeah, all of these victims are essentially forgotten when we're talking about Ted Bundy. Um, as, you know, that I'm just using his as a, him as a case study because we've talked about him. No, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's really interesting and definitely and I think I'll watch that because yeah. I do think that the conversations... Uh, sorry, I know we're still talking about Ted Bundy and we'll stop eventually, but I, <laughs> I think that there's definitely something scary about the series. The series on Netflix, The Conversations with the Killer, and the reason why I think it's scary um, was... The fact that a lot of his victims were student girls or like young girls. I remember watching, I think it was the third episode where it's 
went through all of his sorority house killings yeah. in Florida. I watched it in bed in my student house in second year. I finished it, closed the, my laptop and my room, bedroom in second year was right by the front door of the house and I just sat there and it was like midnight and I was terrified. Yeah. I, honestly, it made me feel so, so scared. Yeah. And also as well, knowing this is, I don't know if you know this, Alice, but there, um, in, it was a long time ago, but in 2003, there was actually a murder in Portswood in Southampton, which is an area that um, all the students live in, mm. like a student killing. And you can watch a program about Hannah, the girl who died on Netflix. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's oh, called God. Real Crime, Hannah's Killer. It's yeah. a true crime documentary about Hannah Foster, who was 17 years old, who was kidnapped, raped and murdered after a night out in Southampton in 2003. Oh, God, crazy. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense, though, like moving away from Ted Bundy. But the rate of consumption um, that the audience is now demanding from true crime documentaries. I mean, since when was there like a subgenre in the category of documentaries for true crime? I feel like Completely. that's such a new thing. Yeah. And like Netflix has been such a good well it's debatable good but such a motivating like force in developing that genre and I think it's the rate of consumption when you're talking about representation of victims and like protecting victim rights it's this rate of consumption that really leads producers and production companies to oversee that I think because there's such a demand to get a new angle and a new area of investigation that it just railroads a lot of it so you watch a lot of these series and it's you know a bit uncomfortable some of them and even that I haven't actually watched that Hannah's Killer one because all of a sudden it was bringing this true crime genre that I like to my yeah. backyard and I was a bit like I feel uncomfortable I'm not sure I want to watch that but it's interesting that you know we'll quite happily consume consume and consume about murders that we don't know personally have no personal connection to us but as soon as you bring in this victim perspective or it's your own personal life like if you're talking about a UK based killer or anything else then suddenly it gives a whole new perspective on the genre but it's yeah. interesting that we're sort of talking about like is killers that have a direct relation to you more scary than if we're watching CSI or a Netflix documentary about America because we can distance ourselves emotionally from it but what do you guys think basically I just want to know if UK based killers are more scary to you guys <laughs> something about a killer from the UK versus the US I feel that I'm quite able still to draw an imaginary line in my emotions uh, I I don't get more scared if anything because there's so much more press on American serial killers and murderers and what have you I actually probably would feel and do feel a lot more unsafe in America yeah versus the UK yeah so yeah. maybe it's a like cultural thing this is probably a bit mean to Americans I don't mean this if you're an American listen to this but I always see America as like a different sort of cultural universe and so things don't function the same and therefore different things can happen there that would be possible in the UK well yeah, yeah I mean that's that's literally true like yeah. the, the laws are different you can have a gun there and, oh that's true yeah. and you also like the whole I mean I, I'm not really sure where it stands now but I know it was an issue I know it's been an issue with a lot of like true crime stories but the whole like interstate 
uh, laws of like if you know if someone flees a state they're like oh cool yeah well that's not our problem yeah. anymore and yeah that's unreal yeah it's so like I, I do feel like it's just a different is just different and, and yeah and I do agree with Alice I feel like there's way more coverage you know the only real things we hear about here are like Jack the Ripper from like I don't know yeah, how long like ago Yorkshire that. Ripper yeah stuff like that so I just feel like there's I feel like the focus in British true crime tends to be a lot more in the distant history books whereas the kind of fascination with these new crimes happening so things like Don't Fuck With Cats Staircase well Ted Bundy like the whole sort of 70s era of serial killers that became so popular like the Mansons like you know what I mean just there's so much there's so much it's unreal I, I can't really believe that how much there is I even just said listing it I was like what like that and that's like to name a few so yeah. and but then this is something that's quite interesting about Netflix sort of capitalizing on that true crime and things like that I I don't know there's just a lot to really digest I guess yeah I think also with like you know the term Americanization like America has such prevailing culture that is like a global culture for a lot of countries in terms of the media that it produces that actually the true crime that is produced is consumed on such a wide scale in terms of like what countries have access to it and where it's like shown whether it's on terrestrial TV on or on like broadcast services like Netflix because it's such like a prominent culture it becomes like what people think of when they think of true crime it goes to America rather than necessarily assuming it's about their own country which I think yeah. is so interesting mm-hmm. completely it could not be good because we're running the risk of forgetting about horrific murderers and the victims of them over here like I remember reading about probably the most famous serial killer that I can think of the British um, like the most kind of horrific is a man called Dennis Nilsson yeah I don't even know that name which is uh, well it's just I mean he was like active in the late 80s um, the late 70s sorry and early 80s and he killed at least 12 men in just the most just awful ways and the way that the deaths came to light was just horrific but as you say no one really knows him only through like reading a book by, that I happened to pick up by chance that I kind of read about him so I think that we run the risk of being obsessed with Ted Bundy and as you say like the Mansons and the names escape me because there's so many but all of these American serial killers which of course they need attention when you're looking at it from like a true crime perspective and trying to figure out the psychology behind it and but I think people in the UK especially run the risk of forgetting about the victims and the perpetrators over here yeah especially Um, when we're talking about how it's improved women's response to it and awareness if we're focused so much on American true crime like how much is that actually applies to like British women and European women when it's completely different culture yeah completely yeah I think we get too obsessed with the notion that true crime and crime and horrific acts can only happen or mostly happen in these random acts of violence that happen to you whilst you're walking home or whilst you're in your bed and someone comes in and and that is just categorically not true I haven't done my research I don't know the percentage but I know that a large percentage, the majority of crimes committed against women, especially, probably in general, are 
acts committed by people that you know. That's a scary thought. Is that more scary than the thought of a random act of violence? Yeah, I, I would say I would say so. I mean, is that why we're so obsessed with true crime and the true crimes, especially that are the serial killers and the random acts of violence in the middle of the night and the abductions from outside bars um, by random people? Yeah, I don't know if it's come more with it's scary because it's close to you or that we're so desensitized by mm-hmm. horrible things in general with like the influx of media in the past like 10 years that has been accessible that we're just mundane bores us so quickly that we need more and more sensational things to happen for us to yeah. be like captivated by it and for it yeah. to become such like a viral thing like true crime it's so it's crazy though that the idea that I'm like no I need a horrific murder rather than like you know someone killing the mum you know what I mean it's just a bit generally yeah. fucked up that that's even conversation that we're having at the moment I think it's quite an interesting thing to actually then we're talking about the exhibition of true crime on TV in that in that respect and that kind of desensitization. Uh, the Washington Post did a article about Netflix. The headline is does Netflix have a killer problem? Um, and it talks about uh, the amount of crime drama that's on there and how that can be quite hard hitting using examples like 13 reasons why it was slightly off topic but it's a quite interesting article well. to read and uh, talks about a professor at Purdue University called Glenn Sparks and he says he's concerned about the trajectory that we're on as like at the effects of media violence and he says that if I worked at Netflix I might say well this is what people want but that doesn't mean it should be provided goes on to say the research shows that escalating violence on screen can make us more tolerant of it in real life and it can leave lingering fear that can cause sleep disturbance and other problems and so he's sort of claiming that these issues these are issues of social responsibility which interesting yeah yeah I think it's very interesting I kind of think it's I think it's true in terms of like the desensitization and also like you know you how you say that like you can draw the line out with emotions I can't and I get scared by like watching the least scary films ever I'm just not a horror person less so with true crime some like in some aspects but after watching like for example that that night after watching that Ted Bundy episode some things can really stick with me and you know if you think I'm one person like you think of how many other people are going to be experiencing that I'm sure lots, lots of other people that wouldn't experience that but if the if true crime keeps growing in media then it's just that's going to keep growing too so it's kind of it's interesting interesting to sort of understand those effects and perhaps see where those effects might go or like what might happen with that if that makes sense yeah I mean obviously we are not specialists no. in <laughs> any way so like we're not, not at all saying <laughs> yeah. that like but it also comes down to the responsibility of the viewer mm. yeah um, I agree so for example the responsibility of us to make that choice as to whether we want to watch something um, that we deem inappropriate or whether we want to consume something that we deem appropriate but might not actually be. I think that that's a big responsibility as well. I think that obviously there's responsibility with the production company and but as I say, it's a business. They're making money. They know that they're going to get the views so they will continue to make stuff whether it's 
deemed appropriate or not so I think it's down to the viewer therefore to kind of make the decision of whether they want to enter into that and support that or not yeah that's very true I think also yeah like you said ethical consumption is so important but also the viewer often especially with true crime then becomes a producer of other types of media like social media and therefore it is not just in your consumption of uh, like high-end television and Netflix and stuff like that that is responsible but I think even more importantly when it comes to cases like um, making a murderer and stuff like that when you're deciding what is true and false based Mm. on a television series essentially which will be dramatised is a docuseries but there's always a sense of dramatisation because like you say it's a business it's got Mm. to make money that's their aim is to make something that people are going to watch and going to feel emotionally invested in and so it's probably in my opinion even more important to be even more conscious and ethical when you're you know commenting on social media feeds and you're sending death threats in the most extreme case on something that you saw on television it's just being self-aware enough to be like you know what I'm a consumer of a television show and that doesn't necessarily make me the wisest person on this this case and this victim or this murder or whatever is going on like it's important to have you know reacting to something you think is unjust but understanding that you know television isn't necessarily the most unbiased way to consume that yeah or like reliable it's not you know artistic license does play a part in a lot of these shows um so yeah i think it's i don't know it's very difficult because i think a lot of people feel the moral kind of obligation to address them in some way yeah if if they're gonna watch it yeah absolutely and so it's kind of knowing when it's your place to do that and and it rarely is your place to do that if like and i think that's quite interesting in terms of the ending of don't fuck with cats uh spoilers coming up guys if you don't want to hear what happens spoiler alert um, spoiler spoiler alert um so but like um i mean actually it's not even that much of a spoiler but at the very end one of the main one of the main um, sort of narrators throughout the whole show looks at the camera and basically addresses the audience saying that we as consumers are complicit in these acts of like encouraging these um murderers like the one featured luca magnotta in that particular show uh, were complicit in encouraging their coverage and the media that surrounds them and so i don't know i didn't like that and I know you I don't think you guys liked it either right no no like, I didn't like that ending but I don't know whether I didn't like it because I think it was ineffective or actually because she's right I don't know I'm, I'm torn from a personal perspective I just thought that it was ineffective because I remember sitting there like hang on a sec hang on a sec I wasn't the one that led a witch hunt against a, an innocent person on the internet I wasn't the person and I'm not the person that will go on social media and try to track down innocent people who I believe have committed a wrongdoing. I took it like a, a comparison. Instead of instead of just consuming something, I took it as she was saying that you have an active role in crime, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I was not here for. No. Um, because I was like, hang on, I'm I'm merely consuming. And I know that the whole social media thing and her saying, oh, well, you're complicit if you're 
watching this and maybe I just didn't get it didn't understand it and I didn't understand why that why it was necessary thinking about the reach of Netflix though I'm like that series will probably be in most territories that Netflix covers and it may not be you it may not be me it may not be Molly but it may be someone who does go on message boys boards who creates reddit trains saying you know we should kill this person because they did this in this TV show like yeah very true yeah always going to be one extreme person who watches it but I'm kind of like breaking down that fourth wall and directly addressing them and being like look have a moment of self-awareness if it's not you great you carry on watching your Netflix show but if it is you maybe it's sort of being like oh oh damn that was me whoops it may stop them you know yeah true yeah true I think what we could take away from this is like that idea of self-awareness and how it's important to remember that when approaching true crime and like you say with the responsibility of the viewer and kind of knowing what you're getting yourself in for and being aware of the consequences of that as well and as much as it is interesting and there is such a cultural obsession with true crime at the moment yeah I think that people need to be aware of the different ways of approaching true crime and I think I think why I wanted you to come on to talk about this Alice is because you are very level-headed when you approach it in a way that I don't think I am as much and I like it always used to like make me laugh when we'd like go on holiday or something and I'd whip out a book about like romance or like Greek mythology and you'd be there with your crime like documentary book. Yeah. <laughs> and which so, is a like, really good book by the way recommend recommend so yeah I think that's probably a good a good stopping point for our discussion any last comments Alice or Kate no just just thank you for having me on and a recommendation I'm sure everyone or you guys have listened to it but Serial season one is probably the best thing that I have consumed listened watched read true crime wise I think it really it really focuses on giving the victim I don't know kind of justice um, and explaining um, her and giving uh, basically just personalising her and I think it's yeah it's really it's a really good thing to listen to if you're interested about true crime or kind of want to know a bit more about how you can consume it nice yeah it's a podcast good recommendation there yeah i've started listening to it but i've not listened to the whole the whole first series i will continue on that yeah, yeah um, I've heard of it so thank you very much oh it's you. amazing season, season season one for sure yeah i'll also be consumed by me i love how yeah i keep on using consumed and i hate yeah, it i'm so yeah. sorry um, we are all just consumers <laughs> we are merely consumers <laughs> especially this, at this time my gosh world oh are you talking about after easter <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just like rona rona period we all consuming every bit of any media online whether it be social or yeah. podcast or in tv it. or film yeah. so yeah i mean if you guys are interested in any more recommendations get in touch we'll put you in touch with alice she'll be able oh, to tell, yeah. you, Gosh, tell you i have a lot everything yeah 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 <laughs> books the lot amazing okay well on that um, note yeah thank you for having me on thank you for tuning in tuning yeah, in and giving yeah. up your time on this lovely Wednesday afternoon yeah lovely <laughs> right thank you very much and thank you to everyone who's listening and we'll see you next week